1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, February 2nd. This is your 5x5 episode. Five writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will talk arguably the most fantasy-friendly roster in the NBA, some rising rookie point guards, and a look to the future with some college stars who could make for really exciting fantasy options in the very near future. That and more coming up over the next half hour or so as we start the clock on one Ryan Kanaus. Ryan? Good day to you, sir.
2: Hello, Matt. No, no time to waste. You mentioned one of the most fantasy friendly rosters in the league. Were you was that a foreshadowing of what I'm going to talk about with the Raptors? Yes, it was. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. So maybe not as controversial a take as I might have thought, but I know Nick Nurse gets a lot of hand-wringing around the the edge writing crew. Uh, you know, Jonas mm-hmm. had had some has some funny headlines about Nick Nurse forgot to set his fantasy lineup when Chris Boucher doesn't play enough. And I feel like any negative stigma towards Nick Nurse is attached to one man, and that is the aforementioned Chris Boucher. Uh, You know, fantasy GMs want this guy to break out. My question to you is like, what about last year's experience led anyone to believe that Nick Nurse liked Chris Boucher or wanted to play him 30 minutes? Uh, You know, he frequently benched him. He explicitly told reporters that Boucher's rebounding was a big issue, uh, defensive positioning were an issue, things like that. Now this season Boucher has had some good moments, but he's also struggled at times. He's seen dips on a per 36 minute basis. So apples to apples, uh, year on year dips in points assists, especially blocks. He's at a career low 1.9 per 36. He has a player efficiency rating, barely above the league average. And he's at career low numbers for true shooting percentage block rate usage and his win shares, both offensive and defensive are at their lowest point since 2018. So. There's no reason Nurse will be playing him more. Uh, And that leads us to the starting five, which I believe you mentioned is extremely fantasy friendly. Toronto has five players inside the top 85 for nine cap value. It's crazy. According to uh, Basketball Monster. Now they've exceeded their ADP, so they're all drafted lower than where they're actually producing. And Inobi is up five spots. Fred Van Vliet, 17, which is hard to do when you were a thir- early third round pick. Pascal Siakam, plus 24. Scotty Barnes, plus 44. Gary Trent Jr., plus 97. The top three players in the league in minutes per game, all in Toronto. Scotty Barnes leads rookies in minutes. Like, it's just fantasy glory as far as I'm concerned. So forget Chris Boucher. I drafted him. I cut him. So be it, you know, wash your hands of that and move on. Nick Nurse for Fantasy Coach of the Year. You heard it here.
1: <laughs> By the way, I just want to say, mo- while you say most are upset about his management of Chris Boucher, for me, it's mostly about Kem Birch. That's really where most of my oh, complaints right? lie. <laughs> okay. with yeah, not happy with the, the Kem Birch usage.
2: I'm, I was a Champagne apologist. I mean, you know, give me more more of those minutes.
1: Okay, a couple thoughts here. Number one, as for Boucher, I was watching the Raptors against the Hawks the other night, and I just saw Danilo Gallinari take Chris Boucher down to the post and just basically dominate him. And I was just like, "He's rail thin." You can kind of see, like, maybe where some of the frustration. As fun as Chris Boucher is in fantasy, yeah, he he weighs about 190 pounds. Like, yeah, he's got an exciting skill set, but I mean, you can see why maybe sometimes Nick Nurse doesn't want to play him. So I've gone full Nick Nurse apologist, apparently. And by the way, as for Gary Trent Jr. What an incredible heater he's been on the last five games, each one over 30 points, 32.2 points, 6.23 pointers the last five games. I mean, I can't believe how valuable this guy's gotten in Fantasy Ryan.
2: Yeah, it's been wild, and it started with the steals. I mean, he came out of the gates to a steals monster. I believe he's still towards the top of the league in that department. But yeah, improved three-point shooting efficiency was the big headache. Like, well, he's a guy who's not going to give you supporting stats and he's inefficient. That was the book on him until this year. And he's completely turned things around to his credit. Part of it is system, but obviously Trent put in a ton of work during the offseason. Defensively was the biggest one. I mean, three-point shooter, we knew he was a great three-point shooter. He's still young enough. It's not shocking to see him growing into that role. Uh, as a deadly perimeter shooter, but to get the steals that he has and to just be an on-ball pest the way that he is, again, a a credit both to the work he put in during the offseason and to the system, allowing him to be that aggressive on-ball, knowing that he's guys who can back
1: him up. This is a team where all five starters, I think, played 53 or more minutes the other night. They averaged 55 minutes in that triple overtime Mm -hmm. game. Do we worry at all? This may fall into the category of overthinking. We've got about 30 seconds left. Do we worry at all about Nick Nurse running his top guys into the ground? Or are we not really worried about that?
2: A tiny bit, but I, I feel like that's just something you live with at this point uh, in, in a league where rest and, you know, sitting out guys and back to backs has become the norm, essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no longer just, you know, the, the province of the Spurs and pop and so forth. Every team really does it. To see Toronto not doing it to me is is refreshing as a fantasy manager if they end up resting guys a little bit in the end of the season maybe we can look back on this conversation and say we should have been a little more chastened and, and concerned but no i'm not worried at all i'm just enjoying the spoils of nick nurse's rotations
1: okay and as we as the alarm goes off raf goes. has just weighed in in the private chat that we should be referring to nick nurse as young tibs so we can just we can just <laughs> update that uh if we go back maybe we'll edit that in He's
2: not quite as angry. He needs to work on his sideline
1: intensity, but I'm with you there, Ralph. All right, Ryan, thanks. Thanks, Matt. Speaking of Raph, did you just coin that on the spot, Young Tibbs? Did we just come up with that? Yes, I did. I like that. I like that. That, that may have to stick. <laughs> we are, however, not here to talk about the Raptors. I think we want to talk first and foremost about the Sacramento Kings, one of the rising rookie point guards I mentioned at the top of the episode.
3: I was a bit surprised by this because I was originally of the mindset that, you know, a lot of people are saying the stream, Davion Mitchell. I'm not so sure about that. But then I took a look at his numbers over the last week. Um, He's ranked 106 in nine category in the basketball monster, Mm -hmm. 17.7 points, 2.0 rebounds, 5.7 assists, not getting too much defensively, which is kind of a surprise given his his reputation in the draft process. 3.0 3.0 three-pointers shooting about 46% from the field. So I think he's an obvious streaming candidate with the Aaron Fox sideline, still rostering just 26% of Yahoo League, so he's available. Um, but my question is, is he someone who could potentially be a hold once Fox returns, especially if it's before the trade deadline, just to see what the Kings may or may not do there?
1: Yeah, and Fox is, I think, questionable for Wednesday as of this taping if I have that right so we don't know yet whether we'll see him back that is the huge question for me with Davion Mitchell is can he sustain it because he's been kind of up and down I think when Fox has been healthy you know he'll have one of those random games that stands out but then the next one will be terrible you know so he's been more consistent lately for the most part he's been playable lately but yeah can he do it with Fox on the floor and I lean toward no consistently with that three guard you know, kind of three point guards, basically. It just seems like he's kind of the the forgotten guy when they're all healthy. Do you Mm. agree with that?
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just really weird in Sacramento, which has been the case for like the last two decades or so. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you get reports that Fox may be on the trade block, and then there are reports that they want to build around Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Right. If the latter is true, why would you draft Davion Mitchell? Because – yeah. That fit really, with all three of those guys, it's questionable at best. And you also have Buddy Heald. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But like I said, that's been a question for Sacramento for quite some time now.
1: We dream of the the beautiful clarity we have in the Toronto rotation yes. uh, for Sacramento. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the bottom line with Davion Mitchell is you do hold and pass a trade deadline, right? I mean, do we really think that Fox mm-hmm. is going to get moved? It seems a little questionable to me, but you might as well see. see. See how this looks through the handful of games with Fox back and after the trade deadline. See what happens there.
3: Yeah. Now the other one is far less positive. Um, this is a guy that I warned people about during draft season. Uh-huh. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, a lot of people were excited about him going to Washington, being the, the clear starting point guard. He'd only been close to the top 100 once in his career prior to this season. Mm-hmm. And as I expected, he's been nowhere near that. You know, this year, last two weeks, nine points, 4.8 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 0.8 steals and he's shooting 27.4% from the field. Hmm. And now with Bradley Beal sideline left wrist injury, in theory, that's a position where he could step up, and do some more scoring off the ball as they move Aaron Holiday into the starting lineup. Right. But I'm not buying here. I think he's a guy that is kind of member that R.J. Barrett club where the the fantasy production means that you probably shouldn't have him. But the fact that he's starting means that you're going to have him. So maybe you can give people some hope about Spencer Dinwiddie this season because I really can't at this point.
1: I don't have a lot to offer. I think the best I can do is at least he's not turning it over. I mean, I I think his turnover numbers are remarkably good for a starting point guard. I think he's under two per game, right? Like 1.6, mm-hmm. if I have that right. So yes. he's completely just wrecking you in field goal percentage. Um, the last 12 games, he's at 36%. He's allergic to getting steals. I think he's at 0.6 on the season. And that's mm-hmm. really frustrating. I mean, it, there aren't that many starting point guards averaging what? Is he averaging – for the season, how many assists are we at? Around five or six? Somewhere around there. I mean, that alone should, should make him valuable, but – I don't know. Ryan just posted this. I enjoyed this quote about Dinwiddie. One Western Conference executive told Bleach Report, quote, he needs the ball, he's not good enough to have the ball, and he's not a good shooter.
3: Might sum it up right there. Yeah. I I just want Colorado Spencer Dinwiddie back. That's all (laughs) I want, man. And and it's not happening. So, yeah, that's one of those guys where if you're in a league with someone that you think will just rush to draft him just because he's a starting point guard, you, you really like your chances of being successful in that league because, and I don't know, man, the production just isn't there, and you can't cut him. But
1: yeah, you can't cut him, and you don't want to start him. That that's kind of where mm-hmm. we are, you know. Um, it's kind of like what we've seen from Dennis Schroeder the last year or two. At times, it's like he's right on that line of 150 in a nine category league in terms of rankings, where it's mm-hmm. like I don't really want to start him, I don't really want to cut him, and I wish I had never had him on my roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: but
1: yeah. I mean, if you cut him in a shallow league, I have to. I would think long and hard about whether to pick him up or not. I'm not. I'm not positive I would. I might let someone else take him. And that's saying a lot for a guy who, you know, considering the scarcity of assists. Okay, Raf, our alarm has gone off. We're gonna move to the next guest. Thanks as always. All right, thank you. Okay. Now we are going to welcome in college basketball analyst Tom Casale from NBC Sports Edge Betting to talk a little college hoops. I think we're going to hit some futures bets, some potential future fantasy stars in the making. First things first, Tom, glad to have you here, man. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure thing. So I think we will get into some of the names who may be next year's top NBA rookies in a minute. But first, let's talk futures, college hoops futures this season. Word is... That you have a rather valuable Auburn ticket in your pocket.
4: Yeah, I bet Auburn before the season at seventy to one. You know, a, a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> Seems good. <laughs> well, obviously everything's gone. When you bet at seventy to one, you're expecting, you're hoping that you know at the end of the year your team's peaking. Uh, Auburn's been the best team in college basketball all season, in my opinion. One of the things I think that happened is people put too much stock in the last season. Now, last year we did get mm-hmm. the two best teams playing at the end, so the champion was the deserving champion. The rest of the season, you can just wipe off the slate. There was all these COVID pauses. Teams like Auburn, mm-hmm. everything went wrong for them. And then Bruce Pearl reloaded this year. He brought in Kessler. He got Jabar, you know Jabari Smith in there. So, to me, they were as talented as anyone. And at 70 to one, I just I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it. And I was hoping as the year went on, they would improve. All the pieces would gel together. But man, that's happened right from the start of the season.
1: Yeah, that's looking pretty good. What are what are their odds now? Where have we gone
4: from 70 to one? They are depending where where you bet around eight to one or nine to one. Okay. good investment. They're the third or fourth favorite right now, which, you know, listen, you're not going to get the values gone, but I still think they're undervalued. I think they should be one of the top two favorites.
1: Well, speaking of Auburn, they have a guy in Jabari Smith who is a lot of people's pick to go number one in the NBA draft. So he's going to be on our radar in fantasy leagues before we know it. And when you look at this guy's skill set, how intriguing do you think he could be as a fantasy guy in the near future?
4: He is my absolute number one pick. The you know I know people love Chet Holmgren and I, he, yeah listen you can't go wrong I, I'm not going to argue if you take him number one the reason I like Jabari yeah. Smith is this he's not even as close to as good as he's going to be he, he he's dominating things are easy for him right now he, in college right. he you know he's just dominating based on pure talent wait till you get him to the NBA and you got you got NBA coaches working with him needs to get a just a little bit more aggressive but in terms of a ceiling. I don't know if anyone has a higher one than Jabari Smith.
1: 15.6 points, 6.7 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, 2.0 threes for Auburn. Uh, shooting 40.5% on threes. I want to talk about uh, Chet Holmgren, who you mentioned, because I was looking at his stats. Man, this is a guy who I think is uh, averaging 1.4 threes and 3.3 blocks and shooting something like 45.5% on threes. So, like, uh, how, how do you see his skill set? Like, what have you seen from him? And how do you see that potentially carrying over to the NBA?
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, he's a great player. The, I think he's going to do fine in the NBA. Obviously, you want to put a little more meat on the bone so he's not getting right. around in the low blocks every night. You know, listen, college football to pro football, college basketball to pro basketball. It's a huge jump. I mean, these guys are men in the NBA. You're going up against yeah. you know every night, so I do think the weight is a little bit of an issue. I think you'll be okay, but just a unique skill set for a big man. You know, it's a, that's why I said I can't really argue if you take him number one. I I do think Jabari Smith might be the best player to come out of this draft, but defense, uh, offensive skill set, shooting the basketball. There's just not many human beings on earth who can do what Chet Holmgren does.
1: I is listed at seven foot one ninety. Uh, is that I mean, is that that's um Alexei Pokashevsky territory. Like is that really what we think he's actually at?
4: I'll be honest. I, I knew he was thin coming in, but watching him on the court, he's thinner than I thought he was. The it's sometimes it's hard to believe what you're looking at, right? <laughs> so again, yeah. you're going to get him in the NBA. You're going to have a, a you know a professional nutritionist work with him. The, a guy like that doesn't have to add thirty pounds, right? It's a, that's he, he, the way he's built. He's never going to be a, a big thick guy. You just want to add a little muscle, you know. Jabari Smith the same way, ten pounds just to take the pounding every. Night that you're going to get in the NBA.
1: Uh, we got a little under a minute left. What about the current rookies, guys who in most cases were in college last year? Are, th- are there any real big surprises for you, someone or someone who hasn't broken out yet? Who you know who you like to do so uh, in the second half? Take this wherever you want. Just current rookies. Um, anything that surprised you or or disappointed you?
4: So the surprise for me, and you had mentioned him earlier in the show, is Scotty Barnes. Not that I didn't think he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to yeah. be good this quickly the he to me if if you're looking in a betting market I wouldn't mind throwing a few bucks on him for player of the year next year like that's how good he's been as a rookie so I think that's been the biggest surprise to me you know Mobley was I thought one of the most polished big men in college basketball Mm -hmm. that I've seen in years so you know I kind of expected that but Barnes to me is a guy who's already really good who next year he's gonna be something special
1: yeah, well, as our timer goes out, yeah, it's been striking because Scotty Barnes is the guy who did not put up big college numbers, you know, something like 10 points, four boards, and had a lot of us fantasy managers wondering what he would do in his first year. But man, he has immediately taken off. So impressive stuff. Uh, you can follow this guy on Twitter at the Tom Casale. Tom, thanks. Looking forward to having you back here to talk March Madison more soon.
4: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Appreciate it
1: We have two writers to go and more topics to hit. First, we're going to take a very quick break. The NFL postseason is here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. Also, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA pick-and-roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Wizards and 76ers, Hornets and Celtics, and Cavaliers and Rockets. So, if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. Now, we're going to say hello to Zach Hanshu. Zach, hello.
5: What's up, man? How you doing, man?
1: Excellent. Well, I think... You have plans to take us to New Orleans to kick this thing off.
5: Let's do it, man. There's a guy that I'm I'm really looking at on the waiver wire right now. He's 4% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He started the last two mm-hmm. games for the Pelicans alongside Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, so I'm talking about Jackson Hayes, a uh, dude that has been uh, overlooked and underplayed for most of his career, um, but he has been pretty solid yes. over the last two games. Uh, New Orleans went with the jumbo lineup Monday. And they played both of those guys together, JV and, and Hayes um, against the Cavs, but they actually went back to that yesterday. So I'm not sure if this is something they're going to be sticking with moving forward, but I think it's very, very interesting for Hayes's outlook uh, if that can be the case you know, when Valanchunas was out, Willie Hearn and Gomez was the one who got the starts. But now that Hayes is, or excuse me, now that JV's back, you know, it's Hayes that's getting most of the run. Willie's off the bench. So I think this is a guy that he can provide you plenty of value. He's top 125 over the last week. He can give you points in bunches, rebounds, blocks, solid field goal percentage. And he's actually a pretty good free throw shooter, uh, over 75% the last couple of seasons uh, for a big man. So I think, there's a lot of appeal there especially if his minutes hang around 25 to 30 a night uh he could be relevant in 12 team leagues
1: and we've talked a bunch well at least some on this podcast about what a massive shutdown risk Jonas Valanciunas would Mm -hmm. seem to be on that team and I I just was looking at Jackson Hayes's sort of game log in his brief career when you told me you wanted to talk about him so they invested the number eight pick in this guy by my count they have given him 30 or more minutes in a game five times and one of those was against Cleveland the other night so I mean what are what are we doing here (laughs) first of all New Orleans what are we doing maybe it's finally happening
5: I hope so, man. I mean, as you mentioned, his, his highest average of minutes was 16.9 as a rookie. So they've barely given him any playing time to showcase what he can do. Uh, high, you know, mid lottery pick. Uh, give this guy some run. He looked great coming out of college. Uh, he's looked great when they actually do put him on the floor for extended time. So uh, he's a guy that I'm going to go ahead and stash right now. And it's not even yeah. a, a big risk to have him on my team because he is giving me you know, over the last week, like I said, top 125 numbers, uh, which is fringe value in 12 team leagues.
1: I like it. So you missed out on, let's say you missed out on Isaiah Jackson. Jackson yep. Hayes is a good uh, stash option. A guy who per 36 minutes is averaging around 18 points mm-hmm. and nine rebounds, 0.8 steals, 1.7 blocks. So it's not like we're wishing this potential onto him. The potential's there, and uh, hopefully they give him a prolonged look in the second half. I think you have another big man rotation to hit in our remaining couple minutes.
5: Yeah, man. Um, let's get into the black hole that is the Washington front court, uh, <laughs> because this has just been this has been years of this just frustrating mess of, of guys that, you know, yeah. you would love one of them to emerge as just a consistent option, and, you know, we thought this year maybe it'll be Daniel Gafford. He he was great recently yep. you know to start the season um, but then he got a DNP coach's decision the other night Thomas Bryant started um, obviously they have Harrell who started the season hot as well and this is this was kind of the fear drafting Gafford at the beginning of the year right is that maybe he'll see some more playing time but there's always that risk of him being benched or overtaken by somebody else in that rotation so Thomas Bryant obviously his acl last year he's just starting to come back just started and then he tweaked his ankle last night played 16 minutes and uh i'm almost positive we're not going to see him tonight on the second of a back to back um and there there really doesn't seem to be a reason for washington to rush him back anytime soon if this is any sort of significant injury i think at this point um you know montrez harrell has always been the safest option and he remains that um I'm still not sure I trust Daniel Gafford right now, and I definitely don't want to roster Thomas Bryant.
1: Man, just just Monday we were talking about how maybe you know this Thomas Bryant move to the starting lineup and and Gafford being out of the rotation. Maybe we'll see Bryant emerge as an interesting waiver wire pickup. But of course, Grayson Allen's foot had other plans. <laughs> yeah. uh, Thomas Bryant, <laughs> don't let don't let your star players anywhere near that For guy. Sure. By the way. Yeah, I don't know. It what a mess. I mean, I guess when there's two guys, we have a little bit of clarity. But so maybe, maybe it's Gaff. Maybe it's as simple now as you know, Gafford is usable while Bryant's out, and then and then we're back to seeing if Bryant's minutes can get into the upper 20s and he can sustain some value. But more likely than not, I, I think I side with you that it's just going to be a mess no matter what. All right, Zach, appreciate you stopping by. We will uh, look forward to having you back here soon.
5: Appreciate it, Matt. Have a go, man.
1: All right. Yeah. You too. Brad Stonebreaker is in the building, in the podcast, in the room. Hello, sir. Either one. <laughs> yeah, all man? of it. All of it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good. Um, I promised uh, rising rookie point guards. We already talked Davion Mitchell, so let's go to uh, point guard number two.
6: Yeah, uh, that'll be Josh Giddy. From the Thunder, Shea Gildas Alexander is out at least until the All Star break because, of course, he is um, right, right ankle sprain. <laughs> right. Um, the Thunder played nine games um, until the All Star break, just in just about, I guess, that'll be like sixteen or so days. So they got a wow. pretty pretty loaded schedule um, up until then. On Monday night, Giddy had fourteen points, twelve boards, four assists in a win over the Blazers, um, and that was his fourth game played without SGA. And that brings his averages to, in those four, 16.3 points, 9.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks. And he's shooting 46.5% from the field with a three-pointer, a a one-and-a-half three-pointers. It's only four games, I know, so I'm not going to freak out too much over it. But literally all of these numbers, including his four turnovers, but who cares? All these numbers are drastically up from his averages. And it's encouraging, even though it's just a few games, he still gets a 4% jump in usage uh, compared to his games with Shea and without him. And uh, like I said, I, I think we even talked like a couple weeks ago of the potential Shea shutdown and the irony that I'm bringing this up again with him hurt at least nine or so games out until the All-Star break, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Giddy. There's going to be some shaky shooting issues, but um they get dallas tonight and i'm excited to see what he does um but it is worth noting that uh dallas does give up the fourth fewest fantasy points to point guards Mm. on the season so if he does flop a little bit i wouldn't i wouldn't freak out too much but um i would i guess my question what are your realistic options or realistic expectations excuse me for josh giddy
3: well, you
1: said something along the lines of let's not freak out, like let's not get overexcited. <laughs> I think it might be time to freak out considering that this guy is 19 years old and putting up some of those numbers that you referenced. And if you want to – you said that was a small sample size, which it was. If you want to expand it to January, he averaged 13.3 points, 8.6 rebounds, 6.1 assists, 1.0 steals, 1.4 threes, 44 from the field, almost 79 from the line. The only real blemish there is 3.3 turnovers for the month. But we'll obviously accept that. The guy's 19 years old. It's just – we're starting to see a pretty scary ceiling emerge for for Giddy, scary in a good way. So, uh, what was the question? I'm all in. I'm I'm all in.
6: <laughs> I mean, no, that that was basically it. I would just, what, what are your expectations for him? Because the numbers I cited above, it was basically a near triple double with efficiency triples, and th- really just the turnovers were the issue. Yeah, it, whether he gets there, probably not. But I wouldn't I wouldn't even be that surprised if he could put some numbers close to that up. Honestly, like he's been. He he's one of those guys that he's so young, he just passes the he like passes the eye test. Like you watch him play and he's just he l- looks at the game like comes to him. He'll have some bad passes and whatnot. Right. But if you can live with the turnovers, I I think he's gonna be a ton of fun and it could be even more fun if they don't go with Shea down the line, which is a very realistic um, option honestly yeah I, i'm starting to think like
1: can this guy be the next Lamelo ball in terms of fantasy you know and and maybe that's too big of an expectation i don't know we'll we'll talk to raf about that in a second when we bring him in for the last word but there's one more player you want to hit before that happens so we have about 90 seconds to a lot to jacob Jakob pertle who i just called jacob for some yes. reason <laughs> jacob yeah Jakob pertle jacob Pultel. Y- y- jacob, <laughs> 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 jacob Pultel. yes carry on
6: any way you want to put it, I'm cool with. <laughs> yeah, um, bad news first. He, I think he got elbowed in the face by Jonathan Kaminga last night. He only played 12 minutes. Yeah. Popovich said that the medical staff wouldn't let him come back because his vision was bothering him. So that is a little worrisome. But right. I mean, I, if I had to guess, I don't think he'll be out long. Um, but he he was on pace for like a 2012 and three blocks night, and it was 12 minutes. He had seven five a steal and a block in 12 minutes. I was like, man, if he played against this. Warriors team that doesn't have very good bigs. Like, who, who knows we could have Yeah. Been. Anyway, uh, assuming he is okay, he's actually been second-round value over the past two weeks, um, 16.7 points, 8.7 boards, 2.7 blocks, on 70.3% shooting, which is all are all good things. And then you go to his free throws. He's 59.1% over the past two weeks, which is still terrible. Right. But he's 44.8% on the season, which is – uh, second to last only behind Mason Plumley of guys who have played at least 30 games. Um, Plumley's at like 30 less than 34%, Ouch. which is uh, the Plumley yeah, free I, throw I experience <laughs> is
1: really something special. That that is treat yourself yeah. to a Mason Plumley free throw. Yes. At least as our as our timer goes off, at least I'll say this for Pertle, okay. he has the uh Capella esque ability to not get to the free throw line too much. So that's in his favor. Yes. And Man, I don't even think you mentioned his assists. He's been getting some assists lately. Yes. 3.0 per game over the last 8 and he's at 2.8 yes. for the season, I think. So that's pretty quietly yes. pretty great uh boost from a, a rebounds and blocks guy. So I'm I'm yeah. Yeah. Totally. I like both of the players that you yeah, mentioned quite a bit and we're now going to bring in Raf for the last word. Raf, do you want to do you have a last word on Giddy or
3: Pertle or something else? Actually, my last word is on a second year Atlanta Hawks I'd really like to know how he did not get selected for the Rising Stars Challenge. I don't know who you take off that sophomore team, the list of 12. I think okongu has got as strong a case as just about anyone to be in that team. I think my candidates
1: are Precious Achua, uh, Jaden McDaniels, and Isaac Okoro. uh, If you wonder who we could take off that team, that would be my my very biased opinion.
3: Okoro I understand because the game's in Cleveland. (laughs) Like you you kind of want to have okay, some sort of fair. representation there, but a Chua over a congo Like, really? Like that? I mean, yeah. No, I, I. it's your last word, so I don't mean to
1: talk over you. No, it, the only, go ahead. The, the only thing I can say is, I think if congo had played more than 18 games, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. That's all I can think of. That's, That's the only reason I can point. offer. Mm-hmm. But... I agree. And by the way, it's happening this this thing that we've talked about, you know, this timeshare between a and Capella. It's emerging mm-hmm. and it's it's not good news for Capella's fantasy value and a is starting to carve out a little bit of standalone fantasy value just for the blocks alone. Agreed. Starting to look like Nate McMillan's preferred closer of games, which is pretty interesting. I, if that trend sticks, mm-hmm. that's one to watch. But he's been playing fourth quarters lately over Capella. Did we do it, Raf? Was that yeah, we, yeah okay okay <laughs> nice that is going to do it for us don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we're here every weekday throughout the regular season look out for steve and raf on thursday the waiver Wire podcast on friday i want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live and thanks to all of our writers ryan tom zach raf brad thanks for sticking around guys talk to you soon okay, thanks thanks matt have a
3: good one